Our scripture reading today is from 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1 through 10. And our message today is entitled, The Power of Weakness. This is the Lord's word. I must go on boasting, though there is nothing to be gained by it. I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven, whether in body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man was caught up into paradise, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And he heard things that cannot be told, which man may not utter. On behalf of this man, I will boast, but on my own behalf, I will not boast, except of my weaknesses. Though if I should wish to boast, I would not be a fool, fool, for I would be speaking the truth, but I refrain from it, so that no one may think more of me than he sees in me or hears from me. So to keep me from being conceited, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. May the Lord bless us in the reading of his holy word. We live in a world today where weakness is not seen as a virtue, but as a vice. We are taught to be strong. We are taught not to show our weaknesses or vulnerabilities, but instead to have that stiff, stiff upper lip, to not show our cards, to show the world that we can handle whatever the world throws at us. God's economy is a little bit different. But first we go on to understand what it means to be weak, we also have to realize that the Lord does charge us to be strong. In the book of Joshua, he says, be strong and courageous. He tells to us to, to strengthen our weak knees as we go forth in the Lord. There is a sense that we need to be strong before God, and we need to take courage in the Lord. But this strength and this courage is not the same as the strength and the courage that the world bestows upon us. This strength and this courage stems from our weakness and our acknowledgement that we need the Lord himself. Now, for most of us here as believers in the Lord, 
we can take this in to our minds and we understand it intellectually, but our hearts have a very difficult time to grasp these truths. And the reason why it's difficult for us to grasp these truths of even spiritual weakness is because as I look out here in the audience, it's because you are all very capable people. You are all very capable in finding solutions. You are all very capable in finding workarounds. You are all very capable of managing the difficulties in your own life. But scripture teaches us that when there is moments of weakness, that our job, our duty, is not to correct them, to hide them, but our duty is to embrace the weaknesses that the Lord has given to us and we know that we have grasped those weaknesses if and when we are able to demonstrate that we are leaning upon the Lord and his strength. It is when we are weak and we are able to say to the Lord, only by your strength, your grace, and your mercy do I walk today. And so let's take some time and let's see what Scripture says about weakness. And let us see if we ourselves can learn a bit about how much we should comport ourselves to God and to one another. So here in this chapter, Paul is talking about a man who was taken up to heaven and had visions and revelations that were very special, extraordinary for anyone who's a believer in the Lord. And most likely, Paul is talking about himself, that Paul was given some knowledge that no one else had about God, a knowledge that strengthened him, a knowledge that gave him insight into his life with the Lord and insight into who God was himself a spiritual knowledge that gave him power and wisdom to do the ministry set before him. Now, because of this knowledge, Paul himself was, well, a human being. And there was temptation when you have that type of knowledge to lean upon yourself, to lean upon your abilities, to lean upon the wisdom that you have garnered through the years. Paul could have been one of those pastors, one of those ministers, one of those Christians who knew the right word to say, who knew the right way to respond, and could act in a way that all of us who are believers would say, there is a man, there is a woman who knows the Lord. And yet Paul realized something, that he could not rely or he should not rely upon the gifts or the strengths that God has given him. And God himself knew that Paul was someone who was weak in the flesh. 
that he would be tempted over and over again to rely upon what he knew, to rely upon his education, to rely upon his experiences. So what does the Lord do? The Lord allows Satan The Lord allows Satan to put a thorn in his side. And this thorn is a reminder to Paul that he is weak. Now, how that is fleshed out, we're really not sure of. There are are some people who think it's actually a a physical ailment that reminds him of of his, his physical weakness. But I think it's deeper than that. I think Paul is acutely aware of his heart. He's acutely aware of his sinfulness. He's acutely aware that he is a man of pride. And for Paul, any time that he thinks about who he is, there's a temptation for him to talk about himself and to talk about all the wonderful things that he knows and talk about all the wonderful things of how, how God has grown him. In and of itself, not evil, but a temptation to lean upon his credentials rather than lean upon the Lord himself. And Paul asked God, God, please Remove this thorn from me. Remove this temptation from me. Why? Paul's reasoning is it's very clear. It's, it's like you and I. If you're an industrial engineer, you would think this way as well. It's like those temptations, what a waste of time. What a waste of energy. I could be doing more things from the Lord if I wasn't always worried and thinking about my temptations and having to repent and having to fight these things. Lord, I could do more for your kingdom without these distractions. I could do more for your kingdom. And in our lives today, we sort of measure our time likewise as well. Lord, there will come a time where I can serve you better. Lord, there will come a time where I can serve you more. Lord, there will come a time where once I get all of my life in order, once my weaknesses are in order, then I can serve you. Some of you here in this room are truly wrestling with your own temptations. And like Paul, you feel as if if Satan is speaking to you, tempting you over and over and over and over again. And it seems like that every time you hear that voice, you are exasperated. And you say to the Lord, Lord, I could serve you better if you simply took this away from me. And so you wait, and you wait, and you wait. 
But instead of this weakness becoming a strength because you turn to the Lord, this weakness becomes a, a burden, an albatross to your spiritual life. You find yourself lethargic in your walk with the Lord. For that one temptation, that, and that temptation you, perhaps you fall into here and there weighs you down. You can't love people because that one temptation is weighing you down. And you think to yourself, similarly to Paul, Paul is like, God, you take this one thorn away, I'll be all good. Not only will it be all good, but I'll be supercharged for you and your glory. This is the way we as human beings think. This is the way people of this world think as well. But Paul realized that the economy of God's power and grace works differently. It is not that we look at our weaknesses and try to cover them up or try to arrange them or ask God to take them away in order for us to serve the Lord. The Lord tells us that our weakness is our power. Our spiritual weakness and abilities. And may I say even temptations is what leads us to the power of Christ himself. Yes, the devil is there to tempt you, but you have to remember it is God's devil. Jesus or God is sovereign over that and it allows Satan to tempt you, allows you to see your sins. Why? Because in your weakness, you are made strong. For us as, as believers, it's not about what we think that we can do for the, for the Lord himself. We're not here to sort of build this nice resume, all of our experiences in the past, number of languages that we could speak, the number of people we've discipled, so forth and so forth, and bring them to the Lord. The Lord wants, simply wants us to serve him by his power with whatever circumstance that he has given to us. And in so doing, we see the grace of our Lord working in our lives. I don't know about you, but one of the most difficult spiritual um, disciplines that, that I could ever do is, is fasting. I'm not talking about intermittent, intermittent fasting to you know, lose weight, brothers and sisters, but real spiritual fasting to sort of draw, draw closer to the Lord. And it's really difficult, like the first... Like end of the first day for me is when it really gets really difficult because that's when I get really hungry and angry, um, but also not enough blood going to my brain. I can't think clearly. Like I can't make decisions. I don't know what's going on. I can't focus. And oftentimes I'm like, why am I fasting? Why am I doing this? Just like it's, it's not helping me. It's just making me even more miserable. It's like, it's supposed to be fasting and prayer together. Lord, if I'm fasting like this, shouldn't my mind be more clear all the time during this time of fasting so I can pray to you more clearly? 
But then this is what you learn. That in the midst of your fasting, when you can't think clearly, and the only prayer that you can say to the Lord is, Lord, I am weak. I do not know what to pray for. Help me to pray. That you start to realize that that might have been the most sincere and faithful prayer that you ever prayed. For in your weakness, you run to the cross and rely upon the Lord himself. Paul learned that in his weakness and calamities, and whatever God throws at him, that he will be content and rely upon the strength of God himself. Two applications, brothers and sisters. Number one, do not despise the small things in your life, but celebrate the small things in your life. We, we know that in the Old Testament, when they were rebuilding the temple, that every stage as they rebuilt, they were there to celebrate and, 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 and rejoice in the Lord together. Think about it. Think about it if you're building your house and then, you know, they put the framework on, they frame up and they're like, all right, let's have a big party and let's celebrate. And then the next day they come and they put the electrical wiring. Okay, let's come and let's celebrate. And you'd be like, these are small things. Why are we celebrating all these? Let's just wait till everything is built. But God wants you to celebrate all the small things and the little things that occur in your life. And let's be honest, if you are post-college, 95% of your life is small things. If too many things change once you're in your 30s, that's not a good sign either, okay? Most things are small things. You get up in the morning, you go to work, you come home, your kids are crying again. It's the same battle only with a different flavor every day. All these small things that you're able to be faithful to the Lord in your weakness, you celebrate God in your strength. I am able to say yes to you. I'm able to see your grace and your glory. And so don't despise the small things in your life. Don't look at the routine things in your life and say, what am I doing? What, what, what is this life? But instead, see that the Lord has bestowed it upon you. And in what you see as your weakness, see, as, 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 see it as, as God's place to show you his blessing and his presence unto you. When you look at your children and they're they're not behaving, which is 99.9% of the time. You say, Lord, this child belongs to you. I don't know what to do. I just don't got to love them. Help me love them with your love, not my love. And although the world doesn't see it, God sees it. 
Praise be unto our God for that. Second thing to take out of this is to remember that your faith in and of itself is a small thing. Never think that your faith or that your relationship with God is bigger than it is. And what I mean by that is this. Your faith is small, but what you have your faith in is big. God is big. But it does not require you to have a faith that matches God's magnitude to find peace and rest. It requires simply the faith of a mustard seed. It requires a piece of leaven that works through the bread. It requires simply one statement of faith. God, help me, help, help me overcome my unbelief. That allows you to get the fullness and the strength of God in your life. Don't despise the little faith that you have because that little faith gives you access to the greatest God that we ever, ever, ever will ever see. Jesus himself bestowed upon us this gift when he came here amongst us preaching the kingdom of God that our duty unto him was simply to repent and believe. That Jesus would, re- would forgive you of your sins and that you would enter into his kingdom by the gift of faith that he's given you. Just confess and believe. And everything belongs to you. One more thing. If you are able to live as people who know you are weak and only strong in the Lord, if you become people who Enjoy all the small things that God bestows upon you. If you yourself know that your faith is just but like a small mustard seed and that God has grace and grace upon you. Then we should be able, because of that great grace, love others likewise. When someone shows you just a bit, even this much of a change or an attempt to change to, to, to show you that they are trying to love the Lord and love you, you accept it. When you see people make that small effort, when your child makes that small effort, and even though you may think, I know in the depths of their hearts it's not pure, you who know the grace of God can simply say, thank you 
For it's by God's grace you're able to do that because I know your heart. (laughs) And what do you do? What does that do? That encourages the body of Christ. That encourages your relationships to lean on Jesus, to lean on weakness, and to lean on his strength. Brothers and sisters, let us find our joy in him. Let us all realize that none of us are perfect. Let us share the love of Jesus with one another by faith and faith alone. Let the world, when they come to this church, may the world see that these people can only love the way they do because of Christ himself. Praise be to him. Let us pray. Lord, forgive us. We we often think that we are strong when we are strong. And when we do that, Lord God, we actually chase people away from us. We chase people away from the gospel, Lord God. For we, we become like Pharisees, Lord. We become legalist, Lord God. We have forgotten, Lord, that the measure that you use for us is not one of perfection. It's one of our acknowledgement of our sinfulness. For you are the one, Lord, who forgives. You are the one who empowers. You are the one, Lord, who gifts us, Lord God, with the ability to love. And so, Lord, We know that we love you imperfectly, and yet you receive our love, and we're forever grateful. Lord, in that same manner, in that same weakness, teach us to give and also receive that love from one another as well. Lord, it's not by strength that we win people to Jesus or win people to you. It's through our weakness. So help us, Lord God. Help us to acknowledge what is true of us and help us to lean and depend upon you all the days of our lives. In Christ's name we pray, amen.